My name is Jeff Lerner, and I interview elite performers from a wide range of disciplines, entrepreneurs, athletes, celebrities, scientists, artists, and more. This is Unlock Your Potential. Welcome to another episode of Unlock Your Potential. Jeff Lerner, your host, always so glad to be back with you, having amazing conversations with amazing human beings. Today, we are joined by Greg Witz. You might have heard me recently on Greg's podcast, The Better Human Podcast. Well, today we are returning the favor and have invited Greg to join us here on Unlock Your Potential. If you're not familiar with Greg, you definitely should be. He's an entrepreneur, he's a thought leader, he's a published author. Uh, He blends psychology and communication with a no BS approach to coaching and leadership. Uh, He has some really, really amazing business and personal development programs. Uh, generally known as his Better Human program. Like I said, he's the host of the Better Human podcast, uh, a world-class entrepreneur and entrepreneurial trainer who I have very much enjoyed getting to know and doing a healthy dose of online stalking to uh, go deep into his world. And I'm excited to have him here and get to grill him with all kinds of questions. Greg, welcome to the show. Jeff, amazing to be here. Very excited. As you were saying, we had an opportunity to chat before my show, and now I want to come back and share as much thoughts and gems as I can on yours. Yeah, I feel like we're kind of kind of going to pick up where we left off um, on your show because we were so aligned, so like-minded. And I just have to sort of broadly comment, you know, the number of times that I, I start off a conversation like a second conversation with somebody on my show or sometimes on their show. Cause you do a lot of these swaps. Right. right. And, and I'm always like, yeah, it feels like we're going to pick right back up where we left off because we were so aligned or we, we hit a, we hit a, you know, a really resonant point or something like I've just come to believe there's a lot of really, really like smart, sane, creative, driven, just very impressive and inspiring people in the world. And I think we live in a world where that point probably doesn't get made often enough. Like there's a lot of really awesome people and it's awesome that we get to be in a business where we get to, we get to talk with them. But um, yeah, I think, I think my, my, my faith in humanity has generally been uplifted by the abundance of really amazing conversations that I've been fortunate to have. And I'm counting you among that. So anyway, I just wanted to make that comment. I agree. You know, I think the last couple of years uh, does put a, a dimming on maybe your your optimism when it comes down to people and humans and and being being able to through these types of shows and the work that we do, being exposed to all these other individuals like yourself and many others. Again, it it's it's motivate uh, motivating and and lifting. And I think it's important that you know we as human beings we all have a ripple effect, right? And one of the most important things we could do is be conscious of that. Like, what am I going to do to impact in a positive way? What am I going to do to to send this ripple effect out in 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 a way which is going to inspire people or help people or support people? And they're going to do it, and they're going to do it, and they're going to do it. Kind of like pay it forward. So, now I appreciate that uh, that observation. Well, so let's so let's talk about it a little bit. You know, one of the things um, that I do sort of neurotically. Uh, and, and I'm actually looking, picking it up because I don't even, I do it so much. I don't even know where I land anymore. Um, is I redo my Instagram bio because I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out the exact words that I use to basically state who I am to the world. Like this is this endless, uh, revision process. Right. And one of the themes that I tend to circle around in because the thing I like about an Instagram bio, about about like your bio and social media, and, he, and different platforms have different character counts that they allow. So some force more brevity than others. Like you can be more long-winded on LinkedIn than on Instagram in terms of how you present to the world. I like these really, really short um, spaces that force me to distill, like who the hell am I, right? Like what is my, ma- like I have a lot of things. I'm a multi-dimensional, complicated human like all of us, but like what is my main thing? And one of the things that pops up again and again, I find, is this idea that capitalism is the solution. Mm -hmm. It's not the problem. Mm -hmm. But we live in a world that there's a a large vein of of society that really thinks that capitalism, you know, and I think this this is cyclical, like, you know, people don't remember the scourge of, of communism, they don't remember the scourge of fascism, like that generation's not making the, the calls anymore. And we've gotten kind of soft and a little bit, 
you know, probably ignorant, but like there's a there's a strong anti-capitalistic mentality in the world right now. And I just I think that's appalling. But the reason I'm bringing this up in light of, of what we were just saying is that I actually think capitalism done properly forges the best human beings. And obviously you're in the you're in the better human business and you do it a lot through business. And I interview a lot of different types of people, but probably predominantly entrepreneurs and business people and capitalists on my show. And I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of the phenomenal human beings that I encounter come straight out of the world of business. And I think that that itself defies a certain stereotype. And I wonder if you could click on that with me and, and talk a little bit about how how because I see you doing it, using business to forge better humans and using humans to forge better business. Right. Right. You know, I think the whole concept of capitalism or whatever, whatever we want to label there, there, there's always anti something, right? There's always a group out there or, or individuals that want to be anti anything. Um, you know, in fact, there's an, an amazing valedictorian speech uh, by Tim Mitchin. Do you know who Tim Mitchin is? He's a comedian mm-hmm. actor. I'll try to put it up later. Anyways, giving a valedictorian speech to uh, uh, university um, of Australia. And giving nine tips to to what these kids can do to be successful going out of school. It's it's an awesome, awesome speech. And to the audience, you got to go YouTube this Tim Minchin UWA speech. Yeah, I just I just found it. I typed in Tim Minchin valedictory speech and it popped right up. Nine life lessons. Correct. And one of those was. You, we have to stop being anti everything. You don't have to, you know, be, uh, you don't have to be an artist to hate science. You don't have to be a scientist to, to, to hate art. You don't have to hate Coldplay in order to, you know, be this. You don't have to be anti cars in order to. So, and it was a really important, you know, lesson or or message that he was sending, which is sometimes we're spending too much time focusing on what I'm going to fight and kick against. And, you know, back to capitalism, without capitalism, we wouldn't be here. Like the world wouldn't be progressing the way it is. I mean, just think about this as an entrepreneur where you go out, you start a business, you hire people, you now start to provide back into the economy without that business. And without that business being able to generate more and more and more and more and more, then you wouldn't be able to support the teams and the employees and the mouths and the families. And I say this to a lot of people, like this one business supports financially a lot of people, like people are reliant on my particular business or your particular business. And if my business went away or my business was unable to generate the cash, the cash flow to put back in as an investment, to hire more, to evolve, uh, there's a lot of people, there's that ripple effect again, which which comes out in a negative way. So, you know, the the most important part, and I, I, I woke up one day, because I used to be anti-sales, right? Mm. I was like, we don't, we don't sell, right? Because we're just pure. We're really pure in the work that we do. We're pure coaches, we're pure trainers, and we will build it and they will come. And that took us so far. But then that didn't get us to the place that we needed to go in order to continue to thrive as a business, right? Um, and, you know, not that the fact that money is everything, but, you know, money very much contributes and helps and, and is able to put back in a lot of different ways. Specifically, once again, as an entrepreneur, if you've got that mentality where it's like, all right, you know, as we're growing or as we're building, we're growing, as we're growing, we're reinvesting, as we're reinvesting, we're getting better talent, as we're getting better talent, I'm surrounding myself with better golfers, as I'm playing with better golfers, we're making a bigger impact. And that all comes down to getting rid of this position of capitalism is bad, or sales is bad, or marketing is bad, or, you know, science is bad, or the arts is bad, or once again, Coldplay is bad, right? Which they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. They're an amazing band. And it's funny because I have an ad that ran for a long time on YouTube that I filmed in a Coldplay shirt. And literally half the comments we got on the ad were just people hating on my shirt. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And, and, and think about this. I mean, to all these individuals and to the audience out there, I mean, the amount of energy we exert, we, 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 we expend or we put out in regard to some of this negativity Think about if you just flip that script a little bit. Think about if like all of a sudden it wasn't so much emphasis and energy in regard to being anti this and smashing that down and this side's bad. And if you're on the right side, you're wrong. If you're on the left side, you're wrong. And in a lot of cases, this might be sort of part of the problem in the world today, which is 
people are too quick to move onto a position or a side, you know, and, and then at this point, the argument becomes, the, uh, they start to argue with backwards large logic. You know, people will say things, well, that's just the way you look at it. And it's like, well, how, how do you, how do you end up in a dialogue, you know, back to your Instagram handle, as you were saying that, I'm thinking I got to update mine. But one of the things that I changed last year or about a year and a half ago was one of the lines said, what do I do besides president and podcast and this and this and this, and this? I'm encouraging dialogue because once we have dialogue and once we're in that circle, once we're that, that, that conversation, but the dialogue around that, the willingness to listen and, and debate, the willingness to, to, to change your perspective, your point of view, the willing, willingness to, to, to press your point uh, or opinion or, or position. But we do so in a way which is I'm going to receive and I'm going to exchange. And if I could live in that circular dialogue Right. Then, you know, at this point, we're not even talking about whether, you know, anti-capitalism or capitalism. It's not about good or bad. Right. It's about what we're doing and how we're doing it. So maybe the conversation needs to be more around or maybe the question now needs to be more not is it bad? Is it good? But, you know, what are we doing with that? How are we utilizing um, this business to contribute and to give back? And I don't know one business owner. Right out of out of the world, and I, I travel the world, and I work with a lot of different industries and a lot of business. I have yet to meet a human being, a business owner, an entrepreneur that is evil. Flat bottom line, and to the audience that there's no doctor evils hiding in these businesses, right? Every single person that I know that I interact with in business literally wakes up in the morning and says, "What could I do to go and be great today? To be a good leader today? To run a great business today? To contribute? To build the business?" And by definition, it's a selfless act, not a selfish act. Being an entrepreneur is being selfless, right? And being a capitalist is part of being that entrepreneur, which once again comes back down to being a selfless, selfless individual, right? Which is what can I do to, to give others, to be others oriented? So, uh, you know, and, and I, I, I think about, I'm, I'm sort of like pressure testing what you just said. I'm thinking like trying to go through in my mind, every business owner, every entrepreneur I've ever known, like, I mean, and, and evil is a pretty strong word, but I, I would say there've been some that I don't know that I'd want to spend a lot of time with or hang out with or let them, sure. you know, invite them over to my house. But in terms of, yeah, this sort of nefarious uh, bond villain type of, of, of capitalist or entrepreneur, I agree. So, so maybe as somebody yourself who spends a lot of time working inside the construct of business, maybe we can, we can sort of identify or you can, you can talk about where do you think the harm that businesses do or the perceived harmful element of business, where do you think this is stemming from in terms of this, this uh, it's really almost a cliche. Right, right. It's a really good question. And the first thought that came to mind, which was like, the majority of people have been workers, right? Employees for a long time in history. In fact, you know, school traditionally was built for that, which is how do we get, you know, line workers coming into the factory? I think we're living in really exciting times now, which is for the first time, the tables really sort of flipped. And now all of a sudden I, I could, it's not just having a side hustle. It's I can actually go and create something and start a business. Um, so I think for a long time, there's been this this maybe a power struggle between the business owner or that business or that sort of institution against the rest of us. And it's going to take a little bit of time. You know, this is where you think about from generations, like, you know, in order for us to totally switch that, that landscape or that perspective, we're going to have to have more and more and more people starting businesses and taking those risks. And just to be very clear, not everyone should be a business owner. Not everyone should go and start a business, right? Some people you know, are sort of being- I, I was going to say, I hear, every, I hear a lot of people say that. Well, not everyone's cut out to be an entrepreneur. I, not everyone's cut out to be a professional athlete. Mm -hmm. But is there anybody that doesn't benefit through, from athletic training? Uh, I agreed. Right. And so in that same regard, maybe not everybody's cut out to be you know, the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company, but is there anybody in the world that isn't going to be challenged to grow and improve in really, really vital ways by starting a business. So I'm sort of challenging or questioning at least your statement that not everybody should be an entrepreneur. So is, maybe, that, a, is that a cliche or is that something you've really, really thought through and believed? 
I, 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 so let me, let me clarify that. Um, anyone can start a business, right? Anyone's got potential, right? Anyone can unlock their potential. Uh, Thanks. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> um, and, and move into that business, but that doesn't always necessarily, um, that might not be the right decision for them. And I think we are living in a social media age right now where there is a lot of emphasis and social media hype on be an entrepreneur and be, Oh, start your business and, you know, invest in crypto. And it's just, you know, the danger in, in, in some of these things is, is it doesn't give us all the insight and the information for us to go and make that decision wisely. In other words, you know, this, uh, starting a business, becoming an entrepreneur is an uphill battle, right? It's, it's a difficult thing. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to bring a tremendous amount of stress in some capacity. There's going to be financial, maybe successes as well as challenges. There's, um, you know, the, the people side, the marketing side. So, you know, while everyone can do that and everyone will benefit from going and working that muscle, right? And they might get stronger. I think in a lot of cases, you know, entrepreneurs, if we're doing this really well, is we're creating a business where we're attracting like-minded entrepreneurial thinkers and you're giving them the ability to operate with autonomy and you're giving them the uh, ability to operate with independence and contribute and, and add to that village and add to that ship, right? So the question comes down to is, you know, does the entrepreneurial mindset benefit people? Thousand percent. Can they stretch and can they get stronger? One hundred. Um, but once again, as we said, there are certain people that will be better suited and fitted for call it being in quotations at entrepreneur versus not. So so let me let me propose a, an analogy or maybe a metaphor and tell me if you agree with it. So. My, my sort of, my pushback premise to you was like, well, hey, it's kind of like getting in shape. Like everybody should do it. Everybody should take on physical, call it athletic training, whether or not you have the natural ability to be a world-class elite athlete or just a weekend warrior or just feel better than you did. Like everybody should still think of themselves as an athlete and which references, I think this, and by the way, I think instinctively everybody agrees with that. And I think that's why Nike's uh, mission is so, so powerful. You're probably familiar with Nike's mission statement, but it's like uh, what something like equipping every athlete. And then it's like asterisk, if you have a body, you're an athlete, right? So it's, so I'm sort of putting forth this premise of like, would we equate that to like, if you have a mind, you're an entrepreneur. And that like, it's it might be circumstantially my 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 metaphorical premise is that circumstantially there are people that are too sick to engage in a regimen of physical training correct three days after you had quadruple bypass surgery jeff lerner is not suggesting that you should be pushing yourself athletically yeah, running up a mountain and so my question is is it are there really people that would not grow and and benefit from an entrepreneurial endeavor or call it entrepreneurial training, or is it uh, analogous to the, the heart patient who it's just not their time. Like circumstantially, it's not their time. Only we happen to live in a world where for purposes of the metaphor, the majority of people are so financially sick that they can't take the risk of what, of what would otherwise be a very healthy training regimen called becoming an entrepreneur. Right. I, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, let me share this. So uh, I, right before we got on, I was just sending a, a text message to a friend in Washington, uh, D.C. Uh, we've been trying to connect. It's been playing that phone tag. And I just read the message and it's like, how are you? And gave me a little bit of an update on here's what's happening in life. And here's what's happening with his kids. And by the way, his wife has just shut down her firm and she's joined a bigger firm and it's so much better because there's less stress now and there's more financial security and they blah, 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 blah. So, you know, and she's been running her firm for several years, but I know the story. The story is that she's been a small firm. I don't know how well they've done financially. There is a lot of stress and pressure. And she just went, you know what? I, I'm not this athlete. I, that's, I, I don't want to go and play this pro game. I'm not trying to get to that pro level. I would rather be part of the team, right? Which is, you know, really well. And I said in my reply, hopefully it's got a little bit of that entrepreneurial feel in the bigger firm. Cause I think the danger in, 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 in some of these things and, 
you know, this is actually an interesting point, which is where does that company go from being entrepreneurial to more of now this enterprise sort of organization where it's bureaucracy and process and it's square and we've become everything that we we swore we weren't going to become as a business, but the business sort of took that life of its own, right? But hopefully it's got a little bit of that. Um, on the opposite end, I used to have this kid work w- with me. He was my social and, and marketing guy, 23 years old. This kid was East Indian, just a killer, just a killer when it came down to, to wanting to run his own thing. Anyway, he left me after six months. He's like, high five. I'm still very close with him, right? This was a few years ago. Uh, and, I, you know, I was like, why are you leaving? He was like, I, I'm just, I won't. I don't want to work for you or anything. I want to go do my own thing. And I was like, I will support you as long as I can. Right. So I think one of the things that maybe becomes important for us as human beings, and this is where like a lot of the work that I do, which is, you know, understanding your personality and psychology and self-awareness, self-awareness is, a, I've always said this, it's a very difficult topic because it requires us to acknowledge why we're great. It also requires us to acknowledge and see why we're not so great where our dysfunction is. Um, and that's a little bit of what we're always going to have to do as entrepreneurs, right? We're going to really have to sit down and say, hey, wait a minute, you know, does does this make me great? Does this make me better? Am I cut for this, right? Am I, am I able to stretch and run in this environment? And if so, yes. If not, then we might have to look at other options. So you said something that that piqued my interest a lot when you talked about the point at which a business transitions from being entrepreneurial to your term was enterprise, but I think yeah. you're you're sort of saying when it, uh, yeah, and then you added some uh, some other adjectives, bureaucratic, um, maybe sort of like a little more in impersonal, more more corporate, you know, square. Yeah, yeah. So so I'm curious. You work with a lot of businesses, right? And and of all different sizes, I've I've you know dug into your work, and so I'm curious. Do you have any theories on where where why and how that threshold exists? I have my own theories, but I want to hear yours. Where, why, and how that threshold exists? In other words, what is the the inflection point where a business goes from entrepreneurial to enter to to? And I, I don't. I actually am not going to use enterprise because I, I think you can be. My, my my belief, or maybe it's my belief that I must hold to do what I do in the world, is that you can be very large, very enterprise, and still very entrepreneurial. But although although more often than not, that doesn't play out. But I'm curious, what do you think is that that danger zone that businesses cross over, where you know now they've got employees that are quietly quitting and morale is low, and it just doesn't feel like it used to. Yeah. So first, I just want to address the quiet quitting uh, topic. This quiet quitting has been happening forever. It's not a new new term. It's not a new thing, right? Right. If if I was working at a job 20 years ago and I didn't like it, I wouldn't be verbal about that. I would show up physically every day doing whatever I need to do just to get by and trying to find something else as quickly as possible, right? Mm -hmm. So quietly quitting is, is not this new term, right? But when... When does this happen in a business? Maybe it's not when, maybe maybe it has more to do with a company's purpose. You know, I'm thinking about a client. They are 2.7 billion annual revenue right now. Um, one of the most purposeful driven organizations you will ever meet. And it doesn't matter whether you were speaking to the CEO all the way down to the, a maintenance person in a factory in India, if you ask the, those individuals, what is the purpose-driven strategy? What is the purpose of the organization? How does your purpose fit within that organizational's purpose? Everyone will rhyme it off, probably about four or 5,000 employees. And what that, what that took was leadership. So maybe again, it's not when this happens. Maybe it has to do with more the, the, the leadership that we have within these organizations and, and whether the leader in the organization is still driving for that purpose. And I know there's lots of books on purpose and Simon Sinek and the why and all these things. What I've come to believe is over recent years, without that purpose, we don't have clarity. We don't have sight. We don't, we, we don't know which way to go. And we might end up losing ourselves in losing that entrepreneurship or that, that thing, that magic, that energy that we all have 
because now we start to focus on the thing, the product or the service and, 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 you know, just pushing that out. So I don't know if I really answered your question or maybe just sort of added to a little more confusion, but I think it's a big question. What, what do you think? When do you think that? Well, I strongly agree. And I, and I kind of lit up when you said purpose, um, you know, what's interesting about the sort of the anti-capitalistic conversation or this, and, and, you know, I'm a, as a, as somebody that goes on social media and, and overtly talks about prosperity, you know, I sort of, I sort of allied the, uh, the, the personal and professional development conversation where I'm like, look, there's a lot of stuff you want to change about your life, but it's probably unrealistic to think that it's all going to play out the way you want, unless you also figure out a way to make more money or change what you do to get money or probably both. Right. And I, I kind of call people out on that. And because I bring the financial piece into the conversation very directly, I get an, an, a fair amount of, of you know, attacks that it's you know that are sort of I'll, I'll just sum up and say they're 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 anti-capitalistic in nature. They're like like money is bad, greed is bad. Everybody just wants money. Everybody's want of money is what's ruining the world. And and what I what I think is ironic about all of it is, and I think you just you just addressed it. An organization that has no outward purpose, in other words, a purpose of impact or a purpose of service to the market or the customer or the world at large, at the, the, in the absence of that, their purpose is simply to exist, to perpetuate, and perhaps even to grow, but it's, it's growth in a consumptive zero-sum way, right? Like, like they're, they're, for them to exist means to subtract from the world around for their own self-perpetuation, right? And, and a lot of the people that are angry at companies like that, you know, there's a, there's a theory in psychology that we tend to have the most, uh, the most visceral emotional reactions to those things that we, that we recognize in ourselves that we dislike. It's people that are pissed because they don't have a purpose other than to exist and they want to be the ones taking not giving correct and they're caught and they're they're angry at the business because the business is a mirror in which they can see themselves going well this is a bad business because it just wants to to feed itself and to take from the world and i don't like it because it's asking me when i want to be the one feeding myself and taking from the world so i'm going to do less and try to get more right and I, and I think that it happens at the macro is, is at the business level, the micro is at the individual level, but it's the same thing. But when you get groups of people together that have purpose at both the, at the micro level, then they build companies at the macro level that, that also have purpose. And I agree. I, total, I actually totally agree with you. I think you nailed it. And those businesses never become shitty places to work. And I mean, they may have hard days, but they're never bad days. Yeah. And, you know, back to the, the shitty places to work, we as either employees, team members, contributors, uh, influencers, impactors, whatever, whatever you want to define yourself as, that's part of this group, this community, because now we could change the word business to community, right? Yeah. Like business is the ultimate community. And what is the purpose of that community? You know, when I was a kid, I had a, a really cool experience where um, and it wasn't done in voluntary. I was shipped off to a kibbutz in Israel because right? my mother was like, you are now being, we're shipping you off. We're getting you away from the friends and the environment yeah. and, and the stuff that you're doing because we see you tracking down a road with a group of people that it's probably going to be bad. But, and I didn't realize this so many years later, but the, the, the interesting thing about a kibbutz and a kibbutz for just the audience is communal living, right? And the kibbutz all works to produce something and it's very... Um, 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 neutral and shared and stuff. And, you know, it might not be a place to live, but the concept of it is really interesting. And then, and I thought about that as business as well, which is maybe this is, this is what it is about, right? Like as business leaders, business owners, entrepreneurs, we have a responsibility to either build and start a community and grow that, or we have a responsibility to, to contribute to the well-being and the health of that community. And that community produces something which allows to earn, which allows us to, you know, uh, uh, receive and gain as well. 
And the more we start to, as we said, as you were saying, the more we start to stop demonizing business, right? Because of my own insecurity, because let's say I grew up in a poor family and I've got this sort of unconscious thing of I hate money and no one should have money and money is very hard. And you've got this scarcity sort of mindset. This is, we, we, this, this is an unconscious thing. And instead of that individual leaning into themselves and going, wait a minute, maybe it's my view. That's wrong. Maybe me on this attack over here and this 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 demonizing of this business, as you said, maybe it's not the business, maybe it's me. And also what we tend to do as human beings is we take this blanketing approach, right? We say every company is this big conglomerate and they're all nasty and they're all com- uh, capitalists and they just want to tear the environment apart. Yeah, maybe there are certain businesses or places that don't operate in the in 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 the best capacity, right? But that doesn't mean all businesses are that. That doesn't mean every entrepreneur is evil. And back to where we started this a little earlier, I have yet to meet an entrepreneur or business leader that wakes up in the morning and says, um, I want to do bad today. I want to go and, and mess things up. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I don't think I've ever, well, I'll just say this. Anybody that thinks that business owners are greedy and selfish, like I promise you there are easier ways to get ahead than starting a business. If I was greedy and selfish and, 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 you know, and I think that the counterpart of greediness is laziness because, you know, I don't think it's greedy to say, Hey, I'm producing massive value in the world. I am giving a ton. I'm making a huge impact. And I and I I I would love to receive appropriate compensation for that. That's not greed. That's just fair. I mean, that I, I hate the term fairness, but you know, I mean, that's reasonable. Greed is saying I want, I want to get, but I don't want to give. Well, that's also I would argue that's also laziness, right? You cannot be lazy and run a business. Like frankly, working at someone else's business and trying to do as little as possible and still get paid, that is a lot more nefarious, greedy, lazy, and selfish than anything you can get away with as a business owner. And by the way, the person you have to be to build teams and to attract high caliber people, those people aren't gonna come work for some, like, like you know, the, 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 the ridiculous thing about the Dr. Evil stereotype is nobody would go work for the guy. Correct. He'd be a one man army because like nobody's going to sign up to where I want to go work at evil incorporated. Like you can't attract good people to grow that business. Yeah. Well, you know, just to reinforce that point and for the audience, this is my personal story. So when I, my father started the business and to fast forward the, the, the story, I was forced to work there as a summer job, 25, oof, even longer ago. And anyway, um, I bought the business for a dollar. Because in 2012, he suddenly got diagnosed, he got diagnosed with cancer and suddenly passed. And the business was in about $600,000 debt. And that was made up of a very large AP, not too large, few leases, um, line of credit, few other things. And as an entrepreneur, as the business owner, I took, I felt this 1000% responsibility to go and pay that off, to pay back the line of credit to pay back all the vendors, not to pay back, to pay off their invoices. And I, I remortgaged my house. I took money out of the house for the first two years. I didn't take a salary, right? I was just working because it was either do I get paid or, or do I pay the team? And this was the first two, two and a half years of me, me doing this from 2012 to 2014 and paid it all off. And then someone afterwards said to me, they said, why didn't you bankrupt the business? I said, what do you mean? They said, well, you could have just bankrupt the incorporation. Mm-hmm. I was like, what, what do you mean? And I, and I was also naive at this point, right? And I'm like, well, I didn't even know you. that was an option to bankrupt it. And maybe that was, that was, that was sort of, you know, the, the, the universe guiding me in the right way. But I was like, even if I did, I don't know if I would, right? Because then all we're going to do is we're going to burn all these relationships. We're going to piss off people. We're going to mess with their money. And I felt this, 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 this innate responsibility, this, this parental role that I cannot let these people down. I cannot betray people. I cannot 
jeopardize these individuals, specifically financially. So for the audience, back to being an entrepreneur, probably one of the most selfless, selfless things you could do because we are always the ones that will eat last, right? I don't know, at least for me, right? I will make sure the entire table is fed. Everyone is sitting down before I get my own plate. And this was even during the pandemic where uh, in 2020, I was 2020, right? Wow. Yeah. Nice. Um, March was sitting there and we go to zero in revenue. Okay. We're now coming off one of the best years we've had and I'll forecast and what like all the work for the years that we've been putting in, in this business has now hit the wind. We, we are cruising and we go to zero and it was phone call after phone call after phone call. And it was the same call. Hey, Greg, uh, we got to cancel the contract with you because we're not quite sure. Uh, hey, we're pulling everyone out of the training because we're not too sure. And in a heartbeat, that went down. And I looked at the team and I said, we have this much money in the bank account. And if I calculate this right, we could probably run for a year and keep all of us in salary. The only thing I, we, we, we will do is, is this. if at any point we start to dip in cash flow and we need to, the first thing we will do is we'll look at salary reductions just a little bit, but I'll take the first hit before anyone else does. And then we went out to all our clients and we said, uh, and I also said to them, I commit you, I guarantee you, I promise you, I'll keep all of you employed. I will not terminate anyone for any reasons while we're going through this. So there's my commitment to keep everyone employed. We had so much money in the bank to run for, for, for the year. And then we went back to our clients and we said, you know what? Here, let's do the honor system. If you have also lost budgets, um, no problem, but we are going to continue to do the training and we're going to do it for free. So we'll still run all the courses. We'll run all the events that we're doing and we'll do it for free. And the only thing we ask is if you can pay, pay. If you can pay 10%, pay 10%. If you can pay 50%, pay 50%. If you as a business are doing really well and you're manufacturing hand sanitizer, please pay 100%, right? But if not, we are committed back to the purpose of making humans better humans and, 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 and running these programs and these training courses and these coaching sessions was more important to us than anything else. And that's in a lot of cases what we did as a community and it, it built us, it, it, it made us even stronger, but it made it made the team stronger as well. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very entrepreneurial. And my guess is that because you kept those relationships intact and, and active, even, even you know, there, there's, a, there's, you know, there's an inertia where people, they're either in business or they're not in business. And it may have only been at 10% of the contracted rate, but you kept them in, you kept them in business with you. Which meant that as things improved, you didn't have to go through, you know, a, a, a resubmission process, a reapproval process, a rebudgeting process. You kept the re it's it's kind of like it's kind of like saying to your your girlfriend or or wife or well, I guess you wouldn't answer your wife, but girlfriend, like, hey, I'm gonna be overseas for a year, but like let's let's keep the flame lit. Let's just do it long distance on simmer as opposed to like let's just cut it off and then you come back and you don't know what's gonna happen. Like you kept the flame alive. So I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm guessing fill in the rest of the story, but as things swung back, we did really was, well. Your business came right back. Yeah, we 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 did the 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 hockey stick or the V. Yeah, um, but we stayed at zero for a while, right? Um, and you know, as you were saying that, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about the future of like, hey, let's let's keep these these relationships and keep these accounts, and you know, we'll keep them engaged. And yes, that was one of the the outcomes to to the decision that we made, but that wasn't the reason we did it, right? And I think back to one of the things that maybe we want to point out to the audience or, or reinforce and just sort of double down on is as entrepreneurs, we have a huge responsibility, right? Keeping the flame and keeping it going and keeping people engaged. But we also have a responsibility to, to make sure that we're making the right decisions for the right reasons. And it's, it's an important entrepreneurial trait or, or, or again, responsibility. Now, how do we know what is the right decision for the right reasons? I think, you know, there's a little bit of variance to all of that. Mm -hmm. That that is really important for 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 us is as entrepreneurs, you're gonna you're gonna end up in times and situations where there might be easier decisions to make. 
But always ask yourself that question, you know, am I making this decision because it's easy or am I making the decision because it's the right decision to make? Hey there, sorry to interrupt the show, but I just have a quick favor to ask. So we recently broke into the top 100 podcasts in the entrepreneurship category. We've been hovering around 75 and we're really trying to push up into like the top 20 and grow the impact of the show. So if you enjoy what we do here and you're a supporter, the biggest thing you could do to help would be to leave us a positive review. Uh, whatever platform you're listening on, you should be able to leave a quick review. Let the world know what you like about the show. Thank you so much for your time and uh, let's get back to it. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. We teach something in, in my platform, Entra, where we're essentially installing entrepreneurial values and operating processes and, and mechanics and principles for people, um, whether they're starting businesses or, I mean, we, we, we talk about four different ways that people monetize skills in the world. It's either employment, it's freelance work, it's business ownership, or it's investing. And we're not we're we're agnostic about how people monetize it, but we teach them the skills that allow them to start a business or allow them to do freelance work, you know, allow them to do those things. But as part of this entrepreneurial way of being in the world, we have these four entrepreneurial agreements that we sort of commit. We we basically say, hey, if you're not willing to commit to these, you're not willing to commit to an entrepreneurial way of being in the world, and we're probably not going to be a fit, right? And it's. It's that they will live with a clear, and we, we basically have like touched on all of them in this conversation because they're so intrinsic to, to entrepreneurialism, right? It's living with a clearly defined purpose. It's operating from a defined set of values. It's taking ownership of results in every area of life. And it's giving more than you ask for, right? And that's it. Those are the agreements. You're saying, get, agree to these things and just agreeing to these things and 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 holding yourself to these standards every day will fundamentally re-architect your entire life if you become you know, obsessive about it. Um, so I'm curious, well, so I, I say that just to kind of put a bow on what you said, that like what you, what you described is extremely congruent with those entrepreneurial agreements, right? Giving more than you ask, hey, we're gonna continue to give 100% of our deliverables and we, all we ask for is whatever you can afford. And frankly, you were properly already, if you were doing good business, which I know you do, you were already giving more than you charge, even at full price, right? That's the, you know, the principle of, of value, right? I grew, I grew up with this, you always give more, right? Always, always. And that's, that's so hard. That's so hard in this world. We live in a world that is so defensive about being taken advantage of. People are scared to give. They've convinced themselves that it's stupid right. to overgive. Right. Um, so, so let, let me ask you, I, I want to, we have uh, not all the time in the world and I want to make sure that we get into your methodology. Um, I've, you know, in, in studying you as I have, I've been really, you know, a lot of people say, oh, we, we take a unique psychology based approach to blank, right? Like that's like become this popular thing. Like we use psychology to help you lose weight and keep it off. We use psychology to help you climb the mountain and not fall in the crevasse or we, but like you actually use psychology to help people become better humans through business and build better businesses through becoming better humans. But I'm, I'm curious, you know, without giving, giving it all away, let's say, uh, first of all, how did you develop or evolve this methodology? And then maybe talk about some of the different ways that it applies or some of the different work you do with people. All right. So let me start with this. One of the things we've never learned as people what we've done is we figured out how to navigate relationships just by sort of falling and tripping and doing. And sometimes we, we get it, we get it well, and sometimes we don't. And, you know, when we turn to the world of psychology, um, it really helps us answer three really important uh, pieces. Number one, self-awareness. Who am I? Why do I behave the way I do? Why do I react, respond the way I do? Why do I communicate, parent, lead the way I do? Where does this whole thing come from? Right. right? And, and when I, when I lean into the self-awareness of, of personality, and one of the models we use is something called the Burns model, which says our personality has a structure to it. There's three main areas to it. And something called the parental side to our personality which is the side of our personality, which is comprised of learned behavior. There is what we call the child side of our personality, which by definition is the emotions or the feelings. That's where, you know, that comes from. And then we have the adult. And in fact, I usually do this in sessions. I say to, I say to the class, I go, how many of you watch Star Trek, right? 
and you know a few a few hands go up and you get a few peculiar looks across the room saying well i don't i don't know if i ever got into it but gene roddenberry the guy that created star trek studied the burns model and he built all of his characters around it so when we look at those three areas of our personality we actually break them down into subcon uh, uh subcategories so our parental state has two sides to it. It's a coin, right? There's two behaviors there. There's the dominant side, which we traditionally know as the rule, strict, authoritative type of parenting. And by the way, the name parent, adult, and child is not to describe age or status or to say you have kids. We're talking behavior. If I'm like, Jeff, you're a pretty strong critical parent type of personality. And I stop the conversation right here. You go, I know exactly what the guy means. I'm driven. I'm direct. I'm assertive. I'm, I'm, I'm focused on the outcome. I'm expressive and so on and so forth. The opposite to that is what we call the nurturing parent. And what we're talking about a lot in, 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 in entrepreneurship is being selfless and giving like a parent would for their own child, the nurturing parent, is you are going to do everything you can to support and give and extend and ensure that that individual grows. The child side to our personality is divided into three areas, right? It's a triangle, right? Mm -hmm. We have three points of emotion. We have what is known as the most natural side, which is the playful side. We have more of our introverted withdrawn side, which we might also relate to our survival mechanism, which is flight. And then we've got my favorite, which is the angry child. It's what fuels me. It's what drives me, right? It's the thing I have to manage most. It's my fight, but it's also my tenacity and my grit. Now, what allows us to operate well in our personalities and relationships back to self-awareness is what we call the adult, mm -hmm. the logical, rational thinking frontal lobe, right? And what do we know about humans? We feel before we think, and most of us don't get to that stage of thinking all that well, because all we're doing is reinforcing that position that we're in from the child, which is, this is what happened, and that's why I feel. Now, when we look at leadership, when we look at business owners, when we look at marriages, when we look at actual parenting, the danger in all of this is we are simply reacting, and a lot of us are actually responding from feelings of the past. And it is such an important relationship that we have as business owners and entrepreneurs and leaders, and therefore being able to understand where all this comes from. The second piece to all of this is something called uh, emotional reg regulation or affect regulate, A-F-F-E-C-T. I'm going to affect my, my, my emotions. And there's a lot of tools that we lean into in our programming uh, around emotional intelligence and emotional management that give us that ability to manage in quotations, my shit, right? And the third piece of all of this is relational management, which is, can I now deal with your emotions? Can I communicate in a way where I move you? Can I, can I manage the interaction? Now, if you think about this, when you're in an argument with your spouse, it only takes one of you, one of you to switch that entire argument, to take it from an argument to a dialogue and a discussion, and then maybe some, some commitments that we're moving forward. So, and the work we do through psychology and through emotional intelligence is we really address those three areas. And Daniel Goleman will also add a fourth and a fifth, but that is the three core aspects, once again, to emotional intelligence. If I could be, demonstrate self-awareness, self-management, and relational management, I'm emotionally intelligent, right? Now, if we think about leaders and business owners and entrepreneurs and parents, who needs to be all of those things? Who needs to be self-aware, self-managed, and relational management more than anyone else, those roles right there. Mm -hmm. um, so where did the work come from? There's a few different stories. So my father started the business and, and I got involved with it close to 27, 28 years ago. And the reason I stayed in it, by the way, was because I was forced to do one of the interpersonal skills program. And this was, I'm like fresh 20 at this point. It was one of the most life-altering, mind-blowing experiences I had ever gone through because for the first time I understood, I was like, ah, I get it. And that's where I really doubled down. So the program was originally created by some amazing people. Um, um, there was a couple of psych clinical psychologists that were the original part of that brought all these concepts. And then what we did was we tried to take very complicated things and make it simple. And throughout the years, I'll say we've been very blessed with our facilitation team and our coaches and, and the people that have contributed because the work we do with the program is a living, breathing document. It's always evolving. The core program is the core program. But we've had amazing, amazing, talented people contribute to this, this type of learning and the, the programming that we offer. Hmm. Yeah. So, so how does that, uh, how does that show up? Like, like. You have, uh, as I understand it, 
six different, or the, I, I see on the website, six different programs, better human, better leader, better entrepreneur, better executive, better sales, better service. Is that right? Correct. Um, so, so say I come to you, let's say I came to you with, with my organization, you know, I, I run a, a platform. We have about a, you know, close to 200 person, uh, full-time headcount. Mm-hmm. And I want us to all be better humans and build a better business. What, 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 what do you got for me? Like, like, how does it, how does it apply? So to break it down, we with the leadership and the executive team, we would work with you in your programming and then mid-level managers and team members and uh, high potentials and, you know, individual contributors will work with them through their program in the front line. But what we're going to do in all of those layers is we're literally going to teach the, what we call the ego states as, as the foundational concept. And what this now starts to do is it creates a lexicon of language. So it doesn't matter whether you've got the frontline person in a service role all the way to the executive, there is a language. There's like an understanding that comes with the, with these ego states. And for the first time, what you're starting to see is you're starting to see the ability to communicate cross layers, right? Cross departments. And, and let, let me interrupt real quick. Parent, child, adult. Those are the three ego states you're talking about? Those are the three okay. ego states. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> yeah. And then again, there's the subcategories. And as we get into it, there's assessments and every personality has a different variance to it. And we have different defaults. And, and, and people are, people, people move between ego states, depending on their uh, self-management and emotional management, right? Like you can get triggered into your child, your angry child ego state, for example. Exactly. Exactly. So let's go for something like a simple example. So you got a frontline uh, staff member that has been triggered into their angry child right? Because of a client interaction. Now, the worst thing we can do is react out of that anger in that fight. So now you got that manager coming over, right? And they want to coach or they want to, they want to, you know, teach the individual. The first thing we're going to begin with and the, the advantage that that manager has is the language of the lexicon. Hey, what hooked you? What, 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 what triggered your angry child in that interaction with that client? Oh, it was this thing right here. Bang. Okay, cool. What would probably be a better approach? Well, what would the adult say in us? Well, okay, let's get that adult activated. Mm. All right. When dealing with this angry child, if we were to take a parental approach, which is going to be a better parental approach to shrink or to deflate that angry child to give them access to the adult, uh, nurturing parent. Cool. Now that manager goes to their leader. Now the leader's role now is to be more of a mentor or a coach with that manager. So they're able to be a really strong manager and give this type of advice. So now we're starting to also deepen this, this, this level of learning because the leaders or that senior leader is now taking this type of model and applying it to their coaching methodology or their mentoring methodology within that uh, organization. I mean, you know, put it this way. One of our big feathers in the cap clients was the White House. We were the executive coaches and leadership trainer for eight years through the Obama administration. We ran our programs, leadership and service um, throughout the entire organization. And what started to happen was people started to use this language. And if you've ever worked in government, it's not always the warmest place, right? <laughs> it's not always fun, right? Um but you now starting to give people access. And I think some of the greatest work that we do is, is people have these moments where they're like, oh, I get it. I get why my 17-year-old and I are having like such tough times in our conversation. Mm-hmm. I think very simply what we do as an organization is we teach people how to deal with people, right? We teach you how to communicate. Simple. Well, I think what I appreciate so much, and you know, I didn't know the 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 specifics or the intricacies of your process. And, and obviously I still don't. I mean, that was, you just skimmed the surface, but, but what I did know about it is that helping people f- operate better within business, like you said, is fundamentally about helping them get better at dealing with people. And that doesn't just help them operate better in business. Like you said, it makes a better world. It makes better, better humans, not just better business people. Right. And and this is where I sort of, you know, to, to kind of circle all the way back to where we started, where I believe that, and, and I think I, I probably do agree with you to, to some degree, that not everybody needs to be a business owner per se. Mm-hmm. It's either, for some, it's not the right time or circumstance. And for others, it, you're right. It's probably not super aligned with their natural gifts. But there is an entrepreneurial way of being that is the the essence of what is needed in great business and that is i believe also reflective of the healthy 
more sort of stakeholder minded form of capitalism. So we're sort of weaving all these themes together, but it's really just about being better people. It really is. And that's where I, when I make the comment of like, everybody should be in, should be trying to get better in business, just like everybody should be trying to get better in health because Mm -hmm. feeling better because you're healthy and being better with people because you're better in business is probably going to make you a lot nicer person to live with and a better spouse and a better parent or a better child or a better, a better brother or sister. Right? So, so I appreciate so much um, of what you do. And I always say that all professional development should is really should, should be an extension of personal development. Yeah. Do you know what the, uh, our company name was? The first name that we ended up changing because we had such a tough time selling it corporately. The name of the company was called the personal development Institute. And, you know, for a long time, I've thought about what it would it look like for us to rebrand or bring that name back? Yeah. Personal Development Institute, because what a powerful name that today, in today's world in 2023, personal development, personal growth, it's sexy. Thought yeah. leadership is sexy. People are into this. In 1987, 88, 89, uh, early 90s, try to go to a company and say, hey, by the way, so we do personal development. And they went, no, 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 we need management training. And then what we did was we said, fuck it. All right, we'll call it management training. And we would go in these rooms and people would be like, this feels like therapy. This feels like more like personal development. Yes. How's it going? Man, my relationship with my spouse is it's it's taken a it's 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 taken this 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 new level on it. In fact, can my spouse come and do the program? Sure. We've got this this other program for her <laughs> or him. Or you know what? My kid's 16, when they're 21 or 22, I want them to come and do this program. And I cannot tell you how many times we get that phone call where someone would be like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I was in one of your programs 10 years ago, 15 years ago. We also offer something called Freepeat, which is once you've done a program with us, you could come and repeat the course with us for the rest of your life. We literally have people coming back 15, 20 years later and redoing the programs again. And the most amazing thing is how much they remember, mm-hmm. like the concepts and they still apply them and it's become part of the 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 their, their toolkit, which is what they use to be successful as people. So, yeah, you know, I think business wow. is is, is uh, amazing opportunity for us to grow as people. Yeah, it was funny because we're we are I, you know my platform is Entra Institute and and I I've, I've been saying it almost from day one that starting a business or making more money or professional upskilling or whatever people are trying to do is our Trojan horse so that we can get into the walls of their life and release all the personal growth that we know is what is is what not only we say, oh, well, that's what you need. It's also what's going to get them the result that they want of making more money or scaling a business or whatever it is. So man, just just so so uh, like-minded here with you. And, and I appreciate what you do. Great segue. A, we're about out of time. But also you've just set up, I, I think, a really, really great picture of the work that you do. How can people go find out either more about the work you do through your organization, you personally, follow you socially, like whatever you have out there for people? Yeah, awesome. So the main web- website is witseducation.com. Super easy. W-I-T-Z education.com. It's got all of our uh, organizational offerings and programs and services there uh, broken down very specifically in regard to like what we cover each day and you know what 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 it's going to look like because sometimes it's kind of hard signing up for programs because they're a little it's a little bit like the abyss you know you get the title of it but you don't really get the 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 guts of it so we're re- we're really really specific about making sure that we we get that out for the audience, if they want to download another podcast, that's where you and I met. So my podcast right. is called Better Human Podcast, and it's to speak to guys like you, Jeff, and getting you to share your knowledge and tips and, and thoughts and advice all to just be better humans. And then socially, I'm super easy to find. Greg Witz, G-R-E-G-W-I-T-Z, and I will pop up. And whether it's on Insta or TikTok or Facebook or LinkedIn, I'm sure there's a couple other ones, Clubhouse, right? right. <laughs> They're all there, but come and join. We put our content every day. And again, it's just in the exercise of always creating great thought leadership and just sharing as much knowledge as we can. And if you're not seeing this on YouTube, you can't see his hat, making humans better humans. Yeah. And listen, just to the audience, thank you, Jeff, because what you do with your show and your, your, your company um, you are the definition of a teacher and the world needs more teachers. And one of the greatest things we can do in this world is teach. 
and we teach by role modeling. We teach by doing, and we teach by making decisions. And we need we need more of us out there. So thank you for all you do, man. I appreciate it, and I, I feel much the same about you, very much. Thank you also for being a guest on the show. This has been wonderful, and of course, most of all, to all the viewers and listeners out there, you're the best part of the show. You're why we do what we do, and I'm so grateful we got to spend this time together. We'll see you on the next one. Hey, it's Jeff here. If you liked this episode of Unlock Your Potential, it would mean so much if you would like and share the episode on whatever platform you're listening or viewing on. And if you really like what we're doing here and you enjoy this podcast, please consider leaving a review. There is so much work that goes into these episodes and you leaving a positive review lets us know that that work is reaching people and especially it helps us reach other people. Your review could be the reason that someone else decides to tune in, check out this podcast and unlock their potential and ultimately level up the quality of their life. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your support and for listening, especially if you like or share or leave a review. Thank you for helping us spread the word and thank you for unlocking your potential to go make the world and your world a better place.